There's a saying that I really love that I think could serve as the foundation of everything we're going to talk about here today. Confucius said, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. We are going to use this thought, this idea, and apply it to volume and intensity in the way that we think about exercise, skill acquisition, team practice, and everything that kind of fits under that umbrella. We'll revisit the rabbits a little bit later, but I think the first thing we need to do is understand what is meant by volume and intensity. We might confuse intensity with effort. They are two very different things in the way that they're defined. Um, volume is simply how much total work we complete in a session. Whereas intensity is the speed, the force, the intensity given to a moment, to a task, to an exercise. It is of the utmost importance that we ask the question, what is our ultimate goal for every drill, every exercise? We have to know within this volume intensity spectrum, which I will explain a little more shortly, what side we aim to be more on. So if volume is getting more repetitions in the weight room, this is developing hypertrophy or tissue adaptation. Uh, it is more muscular in nature rather than nervous system focused. So if we're seeking volume in the weight room, that is the desired outcome. Uh, in sport, we are looking to learn a new skill or refine an old one. So it is the simplest form of skill acquisition is take a skill, take a movement, and get a lot of repetitions of it. Okay, so that's our high volume work, both in the weight room and on the field of play. The intensity comes in, in the weight room, with the goal of maximizing maximal force production, rate of force development, and this will be more nervous system focused rather than muscular system. On the field of play, in your sport, we are working to establish skills at game speeds or even faster than game speeds, faster than we might be able to perform them within the confines of a game, with the intent being to see transfer of that skill to the game environment. Okay, so again, we have to stop, we have to ask ourselves in a given drill, in a given exercise, in a given day, are we looking to maximize repetition and volume or the intensity of what we're doing? Because we can't get both. The goal that never changes, regardless of what side of the spectrum we're going to be on in any given moment, is quality. We want to see quality of movement. We want to see quality of outcomes. And the bottom line is fatigue kills the quality of execution. When we're doing high volume work, 
Fatigue creates random nervous system patterns and it harms skill acquisition. It's very hard for us to learn something new under a state of fatigue. When we're chasing high volume work, fatigue causes a lower success rate in our in the expression of our skills. So if we are practicing our jump shot, being fatigued is gonna cause us to miss a lot more and it's just not productive to us enhancing that skill. In terms of high intensity work, fatigue decreases max outputs. And this is across all scenarios in the weight room, on the field, on the court. If you are under any amount of fatigue, your top speed drops, your ability to produce force drops, your rate of force development drops, your coordination drops, so if we understand that to increase our ceiling for speed, for power, for our game speed type actions, we have to be training at or near our highest potential. But if fatigue holds us away from our highest potential, then it's not contributing to us making developments in that uh, realm. So. If intensity is the goal, we don't want fatigue. If volume is the goal, we don't want fatigue. The question becomes, how do we achieve this goal? So in a high volume setting, intensity has to be low enough for us to repeat many repeated repetitions without that drop in quality. So now we're seeing this continuum take effect with the intensity work, volume has to be low enough for us to repeat our maximal efforts without performance declining. So with high volume, intensity has to be low. With high intensity, volume has to be low. And this is what allows us to get the quality that we're, we are looking for. These aren't just made up principles or made up laws that uh, I'm pulling out because I think they sound good. This is all based off the energy systems that determine our ability to perform activities. We have an ATP based anaerobic system that is designed to fuel our highest intensity outputs, but it can only provide fuel for five to 10 seconds. So that's where you see, if you take the example of a 100 meter sprinter, it is very challenging once they get up to their top speed to maintain that top speed all the way through the finish line. Everyone will start to decline um, as they approach the finish because even a 10 to 12 second sprint, which is what the higher levels of the 100 meter sprint end up to be, is too long to be at our true 100%. On the other side of the spectrum, we have an aerobic system, which is designed to fuel us for very long duration activities. That's why if we're at a low enough intensity of say walking, um, we'll pretty much never reach a point where we run out of energy for walking. If anything, our feet or our soft tissues are gonna fatigue before 
our bodies able to or unable to produce fuel for that activity. So we have these two extremes where at the highest intensities, it can only be sustained for 10 seconds or less. And on the other side, at low intensities, we can sustain these things for very, very long durations. But when we start to merge the two qualities, when we start to come towards the middle, we lose the quality of both and we stop making the most efficient progress towards the outcomes that we're looking for. So the way I'll put it here is, is the riches are in the extremes. How low can you get volume so that we can get the highest intensity? Or on the flip side, how low can you get intensity while still being productive so that we can get a lot of repetitions, a lot of volume in on that day? Now, let's look at some examples of what this actually looks like. If I'm in the gym, and I'm starting with the gym because I think it's an easier representation or it's easier to see what's going on here. So if I'm in the gym and I'm chasing high volume, I might be doing something like this, as you'll see, where I'm doing a TRX row, the reps are high, the intensity is low enough that I can get all the repetitions that I'm aiming for, and this will be good for hypertrophy and tissue adaptation. We also have something like a pogo hop, or in this case, as you'll see, a band-assisted pogo hop, where I'm actually unloading the exercise with the band so that I can get more repetition, more height on each repetition, and I can perform this for longer durations, again, for tissue adaptation. On the flip side, again, sticking to the weight room, a trap bar deadlift is a great example of a high intensity movement where you'll see here, not only are we loading this exercise heavier, but I'm also trying to move it with as much speed and intent as I can. The intensity drops lower if the thing is relatively heavy, but we're not maximizing the speed of movement, then we're still working at kind of like a sub-maximal intensity zone. Another example of plyometric, a hurdle jump, where you'll see in the video, it's just one single jump, uh, lots of walking, lots of rest in between, so that we can repeat the action. If we actually run that clip back, you'll see in the background a lot of guys standing around, sitting around, uh, and some might look at that and think that's that's a problem, um, but it's actually exactly what I wanted from that session because each player that approached that hurdle was giving it their 100% effort intensity. It was at the max of what they could produce for that rep, and fatigue was not a factor. Now, if we move into sport examples. We'll start with basketball. If we want a high volume session, here's Clay Thompson giving you a phenomenal example of what a high volume session looks like. You'll see he's standing in one spot, taking threes. He's not rushing the shots. It does help him in this case that he is a rebounder, but he would be able to perform this specific spot-up shooting exercise 
for a very long time before quality dropped off, before fatigue set in. Um, and if we're trying to develop our skill as a shooter, this would be a very beneficial thing to be doing. In the soccer world, high volume, here's, I'm sticking with shooting, because we can kind of compare one to one. Here's a shooting drill on the pitch where a player simply receives the ball, turns, and shoots it at the net. There's no sprinting, there's no three uh, action combo into a move. It's very minimal movement. You'll see the two players are trading off positions, so you're getting rest in between reps. And again, I believe this is an activity that could be repeated for many, many repetitions uh, to really just refine that skill. If we flip to high intensity efforts now, and we go back to basketball, here's some clips from the USA basketball camp. Okay, the players are running a 1v1 Kings court. And you'll see it's one play, it's one shot. Players are, if they get scored on, immediately leaving the court for probably a, a decent amount of time before they get back on into the next position. Uh, and if you score, you, you do go again. But then if you look at the setup of this, as soon as fatigue ramps up to the point that you're not hitting shots, one missed shot is you leaving the game to then gain some more rest, recover. So I actually think this King's Court kind of setup is the epitome of a high-intensity drill setup for basketball. Of course, it doesn't always need to be this extreme in terms of 90% of the players standing most of the time. There's definitely more efficient ways to do this, but this is just a perfect example of, of low volume, high intensity, high quality in everything you're doing. Okay, and lastly, a soccer example, a high intensity drill, still a shooting, still a finishing drill, but now there's a passing combo, there's a sprint into the box, okay? The pass leads him on, so he has to chase it, and then now we're working on the same skill of finishing in a higher intensity context, in a more game speed specific context. And then the hope would be that there's a good amount of walking and rest time before they repeat that bout again. So that quality can stay high there. So just to recap, to plan out these drills and exercises, high volume stuff can be very long but only proportional to how low the intensity is. If fatigue sets in and the ability to perform the skill declines, you may either need to decrease the intensity further, add more rest to what you're doing, or you might have to accept that you've reached the limit on what you are gonna be able to do on that day at a given quality. So there will come a point where you can't continue to push things um, or continue to repeat an action while maintaining the same quality. And you have to just say, okay, I'm calling it a day and we're gonna come back to this tomorrow. On the flip side, intensity, duration must be very short, ideally one to five seconds per action, but it could go up to 10 seconds. 
Uh, again, the duration should be proportional to how high the intensity is. Rest must be long enough between bouts that the effort is able to be repeated at the same precision, quality, and output as the first one. If you begin to lose any of these expressions, precision, quality, output, it's either a sign to add more rest or that you've hit, achieved enough volume on that day, there's no point in going further. Now, to put a bow on all of this, for next steps, begin seeking quality in everything that you do by having dedicated goals for each exercise and drill. You should know what you want to see more of, either repetition or intensity, and the way it's set up through the duration and the rest times that you choose, it should promote that goal. Don't let a fear of we aren't working hard enough turn you back to what you were doing before. A child can invent something that's challenging. You can go out and run 10 kilometers and it will be challenging. That's the easy part is to find something that's challenging. The hard part is to come up with and commit to something that actually makes you better. Now, there is one big question that may be on the minds of the people watching and listening to this, which is, what about fitness and conditioning? Now, in a perfect world, fitness comes from primarily, especially in season and in preseason, primarily from sporting activities. And although I've just told you to work in these two very, very extremes, just think back to the energy system conversation from earlier. Our high volume work is going to be very aerobic in nature, which is going to help us with our aerobic fitness. Our high intensity work is going to develop that ATP driven, short duration, um, quick burst energy source. And then the thing that wasn't mentioned here, but plays a big factor is when you're playing games, you are kind of more in that middle zone. It is a high intensity effort, a high intensity activity that you're performing for a decently long duration or, or a decently high volume. So this is going to push you more to that middle zone where it's more of that glycolytic energy system. And if you're playing enough games, I think that's going to develop that sufficiently that fitness won't be a problem. If you're doing all these things and fitness remains to be an issue for you, I think it should be pursued or, or supplemented with separate activities, um, whether that's specific conditioning on a bike or something non-impact, so you're not conflicting with other things that you're doing. Um, but chasing these two extremes, high volume, high intensity, with games kind of falling somewhere in the middle, I think that's going to be your most specific conditioning strategy. Um, hopefully conditioning isn't something you have to think too much about uh, in a typical season. So if you wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this stuff, 
I wrote a blog breaking all of these things down. Uh, I've included some video clips in there too. You can find that at my website, millerhumanperformance.com or at the link below. If you listened to this on my podcast, you can find the video version on YouTube and Spotify. Um, It'll have all the video examples uh, that might be helpful to understanding some of these concepts here. If you haven't already, please subscribe to wherever you're watching this. I really appreciate it. Shoot me a message uh, or leave a comment if this left you with any questions. Always happy to reach out and help with any of that. Just remember, don't try to chase two rabbits or two goals. Pick your direction. Be savagely precise in achieving it. At the end of the day, it's just about making athletes better. I hope you'll join me on that mission. Thank you for watching.